0: Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 132. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and today is the day that the NBA season kicks off, one of the best times of the year. So of course, this is a jam-packed NBA pod, uh, me, alone, me and all me me being regularly recorded uh, last night, or in the evening, rather. Um, talked about um, several We talked about several topics as it relates to this 2023-2024 NBA season. And it was a good one, relatively long podcast, longer than I thought it would go. But hey, so much happened in the league from Harden and his wanting to get out of Houston, force his way out of another situation yet again, to the Nuggets not being respected as reigning champions, um, to the Bucks, Celtics. So many things to discuss. We got into all of that, and it's pretty good. But we can get into this pod right now. Here it is. so breaking news on this pod: um has just signed a three-year extension with the milwaukee bucks um and reported first reported by Wolves. obviously i mean who else would have broke that news ah shams could have broke it but it was Wolves. and the deal includes a player option in the 2027 2028 season a three-year 186 million dollar contract extension
1: wow big news coming out of milwaukee Wow! Did not expect that to happen so fast, but yep. <laughs> now, now it sounds like I'm I, I'm pretty
0: sure that that lines up with Dame's um contract. What's left of it?
1: Yeah, I'm that's what sure. sounds like it. Yep.
0: Because there's no way he would do that um, if that deal didn't take place. I think.
1: No, at, at least um, early. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yep. Right here, yeah, I'm just looking at it right now, too. Wow. Uh, Yep, that that basically, yeah, that lines up with Dame's deal. So that basically means that (laughs) Milwaukee did everything that it needed to do (laughs) to secure um, um, Giannis's uh, future, at least, for the next, what, four years or so? Um, Yeah. So, that I mean, that sets up nicely for Milwaukee, and that shows GMs going to work and (laughs) putting all the chips on the table, and and apparently getting Dame was enough for Giannis to commit to – uh, Milwaukee a little bit more, so um, good, great for Milwaukee because um, any side of turmoil, especially when we first heard those um, Giannis comments saying he's only committed, he's only committed to Milwaukee if they're committed to winning. So um, them getting them getting Dame, them signing this contract, it means everything's going good in Milwaukee. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. I mean, I mean, kudos to Milwaukee. Um, this is a big win for them. Um, they did take a swing. I think we getting Dame Lillard. Um, but I think it was a necessary swing They did have a team that was championship caliber But they were just missing something Struggle with getting buckets in the half court Especially in the playoffs Now they got Dame, who erases all of those issues Now they there are some concerns About their perimeter defense But at the mm. same time it looks like Giannis is satisfied With what the Milwaukee Bucks have done so far And he has um, rewarded them By signing the suspension Big time, big time deal For the city of Milwaukee right now
1: Yep Big time safe for them, um, and especially I just think about past Milwaukee teams. You think about um, uh, those guys in the '80s with Terry Cummings and those guys back in the day, Marquez Johnson. Um, how that fell apart just by they couldn't get past the Celtics. Uh, you think about the Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson days, and how that fell apart with George Karl and trading um, Sam Cassell and trading Ray Allen, and how that fell apart. <laughs> so it's good to see Milwaukee finally put it together, keep it together, keep their. T- team together and keep their uh, uh, potential for winning open rather than seeing these small market teams that kind of just have this little four or five year run and then it's over um, so it looks like something's going to be established there long term for them so that's good for them exactly
0: I'm, ha- I'm happy, hey this is a great start to this pod because <laughs> about the NBA um, kicks up tomorrow um, I wanted to get your mm-hmm. thoughts on um, um, what's going on Like, what seems like the biggest news outside of this the news about Giannis I would say is the ongoing saga with James Harden and Daryl Morey. Um, It was last reported that I think it was what I believe it was reported today that Harden did not attend practice today. Again, (laughs) he's another absent. This guy has a limited PTO. I wish I had his set up. (laughs) He is lucky. Yeah, they're scheduled to play in uh, Milwaukee, opening night in in Milwaukee. So uh, this ongoing Uh, saga with Harden, what's your um, thoughts on um, this matter? Yet again, Harden trying to
1: force his way out of a situation? Um, especially with opening up the season in Milwaukee, you're just thinking contrasting uh, uh, emotions here, I guess. Uh, I guess what you can say, uh, status of each franchise with Philadelphia being in kind of like turmoil a little bit there, especially with the James Harden situation in Milwaukee having all this good news. But um, to bring it to Harden, I, I think I said it in the group. I was just like, I'm tired of the James Harden updates, man. Like, <laughs> unless he's there fully committed and playing, like, I don't want to hear about James Harden, man. Like, it's very – it's very just it's, – it's 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 tricky, right? Because, you know, all the whole, whole situation, there's a couple reports out there that said Dale Murray said he was going to – when James Harden opted in, they were basically saying that there was a trade to – L.A. that was going to be worked on and happen. It's Mm. been a couple months now. It didn't happen. I saw a report saying that he opted in, um, thinking that he would get an extension. That didn't happen. And now if those things happen to James Harden, which I think some along the lines or I think it all started from last season when he took that pay cut that he was going to get paid, he was going to get rewarded this season. And he quickly found out that things change. And... It's one thing to have these instances. You got out of Houston. You got out of Brooklyn. Now you're looking to get out of Philadelphia. And it's just like now you're just becoming a a, a, a burn notice file in the NBA, potentially. Like James Harden was one of the most talented players in the NBA. He's going to have suitors out there even when his contract's done or whatever the case may be. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to show up at some point just to make sure that he doesn't get – Uh, blacklisted for next season's free agency. So I I think he's just messing with Philadelphia right now. Basically, he showed up for practice like the first, uh, I think, two days or something like that. He showed up for workouts and stuff like that, and everybody's like, hey, everything's going all right. Everything's good right now. And I think everybody kind of knew, like, he was going to step out at some point and not be around. Um, You're hearing all the reports of him being in Houston. He's not with the team, all the stuff like that. And it's just like, this is normal behavior that we've seen before, right? This is nothing new that we've seen from James Harden. When he doesn't get his way, when he doesn't get his way, he doesn't show up. He's usually out of shape when he comes back. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the road that it is. Like, he's going to eventually come back to the team um, at some point, probably before the season or whatever the case may be, in a couple days now. I think he's going to show up. They're probably going to try to suspend him, put keep him away from the team, and it's just going to be back and forth until he's either traded or the season's over. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. I mean, this is, this is crazy. But then again, this is hard. And uh, what are we? Are we surprised?
1: No. Right? no.
0: <laughs> I mean, this guy has, has a track history. Um, I said on my man's part, who I was recording with earlier, um, and he mm-hmm. is like the perfect, he's exhibit A of what is wrong with the player empowerment era. This guy mm-hmm. gets everything he wants, and he still finds a way to complain. And he always forces his way out of situations, forces his way out of Houston, forces his way out of Brooklyn. For, and trial is trying to force his way out of Philly. I think I'm to the point where I feel like organizations are gonna uh, are, are gonna look at him like be skeptical of him and say, ask themselves, is he worth it? Yes, he's still. <laughs> he may not be the three-time scoring champ, league MVP version of James Harden, but he's still an all-star caliber player. He just let the league in assists last year. I believe he averaged 21 and 10 for the season. He's still a productive player, right? But is he worth this headache? And I think a lot of teams are gonna say no. And honestly. I, I can see a world where he gets blackballed similar to AI and Mello. And while I think that it wasn't necessarily justified for those who to be blackballed, oh, it is. I think it's justified for James Harden to be based on what he's been doing the last few seasons,
1: mm-hmm. if it
0: gets to that point.
1: Like, uh, and let, let's be let's be frank here. The only reason why he's been able to get away with what he's doing is because of Darren Moore, right? Like, Darren Moore was a GM in Houston. Um the whole situation when he was holding out in Houston, I believe Daryl Morey was trying to get him traded to Philadelphia already, even back then. Um, Houston was like, hell no, we're not trading him to you. And he ended up going to Brooklyn. Everything went sour there, kind of understandably, right, with Kevin Durant out, dealing with Kyrie Irving, up and down behavior. Um, And Daryl Morey saves him again. It's not that at that point in time that Harden couldn't go anywhere else. But Daryl Morey came and saved him again. And Like, if he was with another organization, I don't think this stuff would be flying. So, this whole thing about he gets his way, I'm like, he's only been able to get his way, really, with Daryl Morey. (laughs) When when you're looking at the grand scheme of it, like, Daryl Morey is the reason why James Harden behaves the way he does, right? Like, you you did all that stuff in Houston. And, of course, Stephen A. Smith always says he did everything but – I forgot what he said – like, brings – James Harden, food and stuff like that, and, and 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 rub his back or anything like that. Like Stephen A. Smith said, Daryl Morey did everything for James Harden in Houston. He gets to Philly. It's kind of the same thing. And until everything was okay, until the playoffs, where James Harden has been graded for most of his career, where he does have those big time performances, but then he really looks bad in closeout situations, um, games where he needs to step up, and I think that closed off any max extension deal that he was potentially going to get. And at some point he has to hold himself accountable for that. Right? Like he got Doc Rivers fired. There's no question that people have linked that firing to Doc Rivers. So now you get the coach fired, which was probably going to happen regardless anyway with the situation that went out. But now you're responsible for that. You're responsible for what happened in Houston. You left Brooklyn on bad terms. It's like I, I just don't know what's next for him, in terms of him. I don't know if he's going to be blacklisted because of now this this NBA landscape. I feel like his services are kind of needed, right? You kind of need a point guard that's going to at least pass, you know, a, a guy that can stretch the floor and score. So I feel like his services are always going to be met in some type of manner. Versus what first is what Melo and Iverson were at their stages of his career. Like James Harden's a little bit different than that, but. It's, it's definitely the same setup, right? Like you're a headache. <laughs> you're, you're, you're rubbing all these people the wrong way. And not to even say that was mellow and Iverson. It's just this idea of you not fitting into what the culture is fitting in what to, what teams need. And it's all about me, me, me and my way. And I don't know if that's going to bode well for him. I think he can always find a team. Cause I, I feel like in this landscape of the NBA with <laughs> all this money going around, um, but, again, he's kind of reaching that age where those guys were, right? Like, he's north of – I think he's 34. So, his age is getting up there. So, he probably has a couple seasons left, and he's looking for a big contract. And I just don't know if teams are going to commit that to him.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, like, we've seen Harden this play him out year and year again in the playoffs. I mean, he had some – most recently, Game 7. Of these, um, some against the Celtics this year, where he was atrocious. Had a few good games oh. where he exploded, especially Game One when MB didn't play. But I don't think that he's even like really like realistically a max player anymore at this point of his career. How about is James Harden? About to be thirty? About to be going on thirty-four? I'm gonna look it up right now. I think he's going on thirty-four. Yep. yep. So James Harden is going to be uh, not even coming up yet. Let's take a look. Yeah, oh, he is
1: 34 right now. Yeah, so. Just, just on 34
0: <laughs> in August. Yeah, I
1: mean. You're, you're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side of 30. <laughs> you're not LeBron James. <laughs> you're not Kobe. <laughs> you're not all these other guys that got past 30 and were still productive, still impacting their team. Whereas James Harden, it's like we, we, we've we – and I kind of said this with Mike D'Antoni, uh, with his teams and stuff like that. Like, we've seen your story already. Like, it's 14 seasons in, and you have yet to change your game. You have yet to change your way of – your mindset of how you play basketball. And it's like, that's going to run out. Like, (laughs) that's going to run out. And I I can completely understand why Daryl Morey was like, yeah, I'm not paying. Like, from a Philadelphia perspective, I'm not paying you. I can understand that. Like, yo, you – we understand what you've done. You've – you've – helps Joel Embiid get MVP, you've played your part in the regular season. But in terms of playoffs, that's where it matters. And you, the past couple, what has it been, two years, the past two seasons, you flamed out in Miami, you flamed out against Boston. And it's like, why do we keep – why do why, why are teams going to keep putting themselves out there? And at this point, it's kind of like when uh, those high draft picks, those number one draft picks, they get multiple chances on NBA contracts, even though we know they're done
0: yeah.
1: and they keep not get looks. At some point, it's going to be like that with James Harden.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And, I mean, I don't see I, I don't see a world where he is – where Daryl Morey can get away with the approaching this <laughs> like he did with Ben Simmons, just waiting, waiting for the best deal because there's only one team that is interested in is the Clippers. So, it makes no sense to hold him and hold him out and hold off on the trade like to, like, wait until, like, the, t- the trade deadline. I think sooner than later, a deal is going to be done when he's gone.
1: Uh, I mean, if I'm Darryl Morgan, that's probably the best thing, right? Like, I want you going. Like, at this point, because it's like your value is not as limited, especially around the cap space, around the league, how everything's going, and places you can go. The only other place that I think he would be able to go within trade is Miami. That's the only other place I can see because they missed out on Dame. They still have assets there, young players. They have contracts of a. a but
0: but do they? But I felt like Miami has the infrastructure that can handle Harden and the, the antics. But at the same time, yeah, yes. they want to deal with that or like even like put up a fight against that. Probably not.
1: <laughs> I mean, but if at, there's at the one same team- time these
0: guys did want Damon. and I, I think I saw a quote today, but Pat Riley saying that they, they need another 25, 25 point per game scorer, you know, oh, which well. makes sense. But I think that that will alleviate so much pressure off of Bam and Jimmy and kind of put them more in their – in their real roles from an offensive standpoint mm-hmm. at least, you know? So, that, that was, you, you would think that would be a good option? I,
1: I, I would say – I would, again, if I'm, speaking from Pat Riley, if I'm the Heat, I will feel way more comfortable doing that with Damian Lillard than I will with James Harden. Absolutely. Like – so, like James Harden's kind of like a last option. That wasn't your first option, but it's still better than what you have. It's better than, what, 37-year-old Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. Um he can potentially be a little bit more dynamic with the ball than Tyler Hero, even though they like Tyler Hero's upside. Um, but from that standpoint, if I'm Daryl, I'm trying to figure out a way to just get as many assets as I can or at least get productive players that can play with Joel Embiid. Because I really like outside of James Hart, Joel Embiid is still going to – he was last year's MVP. He's still going to be formidable. Um, you got Tyrese Maxey who seems to be on the rise, and everyone's kind of liking him. I like Tyrese Maxey. But now James Harden's out the way. (laughs) If I'm Tyrese Maxey, hell yeah, trade this guy. (laughs) I I want all the touches. I want all the shots next to Joel Embiid. You crazy? Like, I I just don't. James Harden is falling on deaf ears at this point with me because it's just like you're not worth the headache. You know, at least with Kevin Durant, it isn't flame outs in the playoffs. It's just injuries or something bad happens, right? Or they're outgunned or something like that. But you're still getting that production from Kevin Durant. Whereas James Harden, we've seen his production fluctuate and drop at the worst time. So I I just don't – yeah, if I'm Philadelphia, I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of him. Obviously, they're going to try to do it the business way and try to figure out the best option for them and try to help do that. But if it was me, I'm just trying to get him out of here and just start calling teams and saying, yo, what what can you offer us to get him out of here? As long as I'm getting something of a pick and a productive player, I'm fine with that because it's like I'm just – you just got to cut your losses with him because it's like – the more you hold on to him, it isn't, again, as you said, it isn't a Ben Simmons situation where he's under contract, where he's still young, where you can still kind of play on that. Hey, he's young. He's already locked up in the contract. It's like James Harden's at the end of his contract. He's older. And teams are – I don't think teams are really going to go all in on him unless – like, uh, like if the Clippers start off bad. Maybe they're a little bit more closer coming to the table, saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll take James Harden." Same with Miami. If both those teams get off to a struggling start, I'm pretty sure they're going to try to play ball with Philadelphia. So they may that's be willing,
0: that, If that's the case, they may be willing to add more.
1: Yes, the picks, than assets. Yeah, yes, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I didn't think about that. That's a good. That's a mm-hmm. good point, and I, mm-hmm. I can see that. I, I, I can see a world where that does happen.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: Now, the other side we got to look at is the Embiid side. I mean, here's somebody who said reigning MVP. He's been with the Sixers for several seasons now. Um, the only MVP, league MVP not to make it to a conference finals um, at this Sheesh. point in his career. which I, I don't think he wants to be on that list. So, And I don't <laughs> think that he's going to get off that list uh, the way this season is already unfolding for the Sixers. I, I can see him wanting to trade after all this nonsense, wanting to elect and request a trade. I mean, hey, we see it all, all the time in the league, it feels like. What makes M B different from any other player who is just just disgruntled or not happy with the direction that organization is going into?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and, and I, I've said it, I've said it to people, I've said it on my podcast and stuff like that as well. I'm like, okay. coming off the Ben Simmons situation and now entering the James Harden situation, the whole trust the process situation, injuries battling through the playoffs. I wouldn't blame Joel Embiid for requesting a trade. Because organize, organization wise, it's just like there's no there's no stability, right? Like even health wise, even though Joel has been has has had his health issues, even last year he got held out and then got hurt again, and all that stuff happened in the playoffs. Just seems to be something bad. But it's just like from his standpoint, I had to deal with the Ben Simmons situation, him not improving his game, dealing with him, y'all babying him. James Harden comes in. And now there's another player holding the hostage franchise, and I mean holding the, the holding the franchise hostage. And it's like that's not that's not what I want to deal with. Entering my prime and my later about to be third on the other side of thirty. He's 20, 29 right now, I believe. So he's going to be ending into the last peaks of his prime at the. It looks like, and it's like, do you want to play that out in Philadelphia? And he's even went to the, and said in interviews like either it how that plays out if it's in Philadelphia or somewhere else his career. He just wants to win. And it's like, I don't know if – he's kind of, he, yeah, he's just kind of held hostage by James Harden this whole situation because you don't have a better option right now than James Harden, right? Like James Harden during the season, he was 22 and what, 10, 10 assists a game? Yeah, like about, you, about 22 and 10. Yeah, so you need that production from that guard spot to make your life easier. And we saw last year that Philadelphia was good enough and he got the MVP – led the league in scoring everything's good on that note but then we saw in the playoffs like he comes up short again he's hurt all this stuff going on and you're held hostage by another player who doesn't want to play ball in a sense in a sense right like what are philadelphia's options trade james harden try to get some production you're never going to get that superstar value back that just never happens like it did in the ben simmons situation where they traded off there but it's like looking at Joel Embiid, it's just like I don't see how, why he would want to stay there and continue this process. Right, <laughs> trust the process, but the process has been fluctuating up and down. There has been good, good moments for Philadelphia, but they haven't been—they haven't even gotten out the second round in since like two thousand one. So he's got to think long and hard, and I think it's going to play out on the season. Um, if Tyrese Maxey can figure out a way to um, step up and try to be an all-star guard next to him. I think I think that's going to bode go well for his mindset. Like, all right, maybe we can get off to buy Harris contract. Uh, maybe after this uh, James Harden situation, let's see whether we can build. But time's not on Philadelphia side. It's not.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not. And this this looks like it can flame out any second now. I really, yeah. really think that. And I I feel bad for that fan base. We have to deal with those seven seasons of taking and told to trust the process and here we are to this day you know, with and just, all these, all this, all just, the just antics for, and everything.
1: Just for the record, they are in the last year of Harden's deal. They are in the last year of Tobias Harris's deal. So the cap space is going to open up tremendously for them. Obviously they're going to have to pay Maxie, but it's like there, there is a pathway there where they can look towards free agency and get some help for Joel and next year. But this year I'm like, I, I don't see it. I don't see so it. I,
0: I knew Harden's there was expiring. I didn't know Max I didn't know um, Tobias was expiring. Maybe they can use that to, to get a player around the trade deadline to kind of make a big
1: splash. That would be that would be crazy because it's third. it's forty million. So you can definitely get a player back. It's just is that team
0: or some or, or multiple players.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely most definitely. It's like is that team in a rebuilding? Can you look at Zach Levine? Um can you look at other players around? I, I just don't know. Just off the top of my head, I'm just like <laughs> like, that contract is, like, already a – that was a poison pill for them ever since the Jimmy Butler situation and stuff like that. They paid Tobias and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, those. I mean, Philadelphia, if they can get through this season and be able to keep Joel Embiid, who's still under contract for three years, um, they can definitely have some moves to make. So, it's not all doom and gloom. It's just this season, the past seasons you thought getting James Harden would get you closer to a title, and it hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. But um, I want to um, take a quick break, and then we're going to talk, ask you about some intriguing storylines that you're looking forward to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some storylines that, that are, um, you're looking forward to this upcoming season?
1: Uh, I'm going to start with the Celtics and Bucks. Um, the interwar. I mean, uh, it's just the interwar, right? Because obviously the Celtics trading for Christoph Porzingis sending out Marcus Smart, everyone was like, okay, this, we can see how this can work health- if Porzingis is healthy, the dynamics of the court, but we're missing something defensively. Then we turn around and that trade basically sets off the Dame trade to Milwaukee. And it's like, okay, we see something there. They lost something. And we're like, what's going to happen with Drew Holiday? He's going to be the hottest commodity during the regular season, after December 15th, during the trade deadline, all this stuff. And then shortly after, he gets traded to the Celtics. <laughs> so we all know what Drew Holiday, how he guarded Dame, I believe it was 2000, I want to say, 16, 18. I can't remember. when day. Uh, yeah, it the like a 17 to 18. I remember that series. Yeah, one it day. Like, <laughs> dismissed round one. Portland. So you think about that from that standpoint and a guy like Drew Holiday in next to Brown and Tatum, but then we've just never seen this dynamic duo of Giannis and uh, uh, Damian Lillard. Like, we've never seen that that pairing, especially in smaller markets like that. And just to see – Damian Lillard has never played with a player of this caliber. Never. Like LaMarcus Aldridge, he played with him for three seasons and they got out the playoffs twice. He's never played with an NBA champion. He's never played with an MVP. He's never played with a finals MVP. So and
0: vice versa, Y'all to play yes. with a play of
1: he's never played. And drew holiday was great from Milwaukee. Let's not get that out the way. Of course, people say he's one of the most underrated players in the league, but yeah. looking at Damian Lillard, this is a guy that's, you can give the ball late in situations where it's not just going to be Chris Middleton. The spacing of the floor opens up the pick and roll, pick and pop dynamics of that duo opens up tremendously. And it's kind of like you have to pick your poison with the Milwaukee bucks. So, um, Definitely the the and then how they match up with the Celtics. You think about the the battles they had back and forth. I think it's been they faced each other each time for the past what three it out of been, four years. I in want the to whole say. season. Yeah, I think it's been three out of four years. It has like, been, I thought it was
0: twice. I thought it was twice of four years. You had the year with Kyrie when they lost in the semis. They got beaten five, and then the and then the season when they um when the Celtics beat them to seven when Grant Williams went off a couple of years. Yeah, last.
1: yeah, yeah. So you have these matchups where these guys have battled each other. The Celtics have come out evenly with them, and I think they match up well. But it's just like this is a different dynamic and a different look of these teams because even though Giannis has never played with a guy like that, the Bucks have never had a guy that dynamic on the perimeter like that. The Celtics have never had a guy that dynamic in the interior, inside-out type of game like that. Horford is – a lesser version of Porzingis, I think, offensively. But now you add Drew Holiday to that, who has, who I think is here, that's nip and tuck with him defensively versus Marcus Smart on the defensive end. But the offensive side of the ball is the thing that separates them. And I think that dynamic where the ball was ending up in Smart's hands a little bit too much at the end of games last year, now in Holiday you know you're going to get a better option there in terms of shooting, in terms of uh, – Playmaking in terms of just that offensive feel of the game, he's gonna that 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 issue of having a inefficient shooter or anything like that on the floor. Even though Drew Holiday's percentages in the playoffs have dipped a little bit, you're gonna feel a little bit better and defensively. I I I just like that matchup in Celtics and Bucks. Like I'm looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference and I'm like, good luck (laughs) dealing with these guys night to night basis. Good luck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, like, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's the obvious choice right there. Celtics and Bucks, and I, I like I like both sides. I have some concerns about both sides. I got to start off with Milwaukee. Uh, you touched on it earlier. They've never – the biggest problem that Milwaukee had, especially in the postseason, was their half-court offense, the lack of space that was there, to be honest, to get to the uh-huh. basket. That is a race all the way with Damo there. He is going to open up that offense in ways that they never thought could be possible, right? On the flip side, you got concerns of their perimeter defense. You lose one of the best, probably the best defensive player on the perimeter league in Drew Holiday. So now they're going to put a lot of pressure on the likes of Brook Lopez and Giannis to you know um, make up for the mistakes that might be made on the perimeter and try to cover that ground. Uh Boston, I love. I think that they have. Well, they by far have the best perimeter, um, the best uh, defensive guards in the league on the floor Uh with with Derek White and. Um, Drew Holiday. I'm concerned more about them now with their lack of depth and the fact that if they are to go against Milwaukee, um, I felt like what Boston had going for them the last couple of years was that they had the the bodies to throw at Giannis with Grant Williams. Um, I know Horford's still there, but he's a year older. You have Rob Williams, right? Now those guys are gone, and Grant Williams and Rob Williams. So who's really who, are you going to rely at Horford this stage in his career? I would think about like in year 17, I believe, and poor to go up against Giannis. <laughs>
1: What was uh, that? The what o- was he? What was he at the 05 draft? 06. No, nah, he was
0: oh7 He's a KD, so I think he's at seventeen.
1: Yeah, I was a... <laughs> exactly?
0: So I mean, that, that, that's a lot to ask for. Now I know Boston still has a lot of assets. I can't believe that they are that they, that they aren't going to try to adjust, um, address rather their lack of death at the at the big spot.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's going to be a signing somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what they can trade for. I know they have a bunch of second-round picks and stuff like that, but cap situation—I um, don't know who they would move or what they can move. Maybe a lower contract and stuff like that. I think their best bet is probably hoping that somebody stands up like a Brissett or a Banton or Hauser really takes that uh, that step up. Um, but uh, the Celtics—if <laughs> we didn't—we didn't see the Porzingis trade happening coming through like that. We didn't see the Drew Holiday contra- uh, situation coming through like that. So it's definitely going to be full of surprises if they do pull off another trade because it's just going to be like, damn. And, and and what you said about defensively with Drew Holiday and, 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 and Derek White and the Celtics switch, it's like you're going to switch into Holiday. You're going to switch into Derek White. You're going to switch into Jalen Brown. <laughs> you're going to switch into Jason Tatum. So one through four, that switchability is still there. And now yeah. it's just – It's just looking at what if teams are going to try to attack Porzingis and how that goes and if he's able to hold up there. Um, And he can protect the rim. Uh, I think that's something that obviously the injuries of Robert Williams was hurting that a little bit, that rim protection, that rebounding. Porzingis gets about nearly two blocks a game, I believe, at least a block and a half a game. Um, He can rebound at a good rate. Uh, you're not putting all the pressure on Horford now to hold up and stuff like that. You can save him and, and, and watch his minutes. So I definitely like the dynamics of Boston. It's just finding those maybe one or two guys off the bench that can come in and help. That's, I think that's it. And then for Milwaukee, it's just like, can you stop us? And it's not like an offense like I think of the Suns. Like we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the Suns at some point. But in terms of Milwaukee, like <laughs> I got Brooke Lopez in the corner. I got Chris Middleton right there. Um, we can add a shooter or, or, or put another shooter there, but Dame and Giannis in those situations where they pick and roll, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're going to try to trap Dame and let Giannis get all he wants, but it's like Dame's going to get his at some point. So it's definitely pick your poison with these teams, and it's just going to be fun. <laughs> it's just going to be fun, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, you, you want to understand a little bit about, like, how much you guys invested in the um, KP? knowing his injury history and everything, I mean, he did play, what, about 65, six sixty seven games last year. i mm-hmm. you will know, be honest, that's like an outlier. He misses a lot of games. And yeah, he does. People, he misses yeah, a lot of games. Do. I don't know he if does. I will. I don't know, if, but I feel like it might be worth the game, because what I saw, I don't watch preseason basketball like that, I'm not going to lie, but I did mm-hmm. watch a little bit of the preseason game last week, I think, or maybe two weeks ago now. I think they were playing, they were at home, I believe they were playing the Knicks, and they started, like, they went with, the, with KP at the five, and JB at the four, and they was just – or Tatum at the floor. Wait, so it and, had to be Derek White, Drew Holliday, Tatum, Brown, uh, Pazingas. They went five out, and they was hitting everything. So in a perfect <laughs> world, it, that would be the perfect scenario for the Celtics where you have to really respect everybody at the three-point line, and if you're not going to do it, you're going to pay the price. Somebody's going to make you pay. That's the perfect and, scenario for them and, with this unit.
1: And that's the thing where we saw Al Horford struggle with his shot last season. He's getting up there in age. <laughs> Playing especially,
0: on. In the, especially
1: in the in the, in the, what, the Eastern Conference
0: finals, yeah, yeah, he was
1: struggling. It's just like you're going up against these smaller lineups and stuff like that. Guys running around, you can't take advantage of your uh matchup offensively, you're getting you're getting you're getting spread out defensively. So now you got poor and it's like, uh oh, this guy shoots damn good from three. Um, Spaces the floor, and it's like Tatum and Brown have all these driving lanes, and it's just up to them to beat their man and make the play after that. But it's yeah. like Derek White shoots the ball really well, Drew Holiday can shoot the ball really well. It's gonna be, it's just gonna be a nightmare. And the Celtics, even though they had Grant Williams shoot the ball okay, Al Horford has been pretty good over the past couple seasons shooting the ball, but it's like this much space for Brown and Tatum <laughs> is just gonna. It's just gonna be crazy, man. It's just gonna be crazy. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait, man. This season's gonna be epic. But, uh, to see Milwaukee and Celtics go at it, it's gonna be epic.
0: Absolutely, I want to see when they play. There, I think. I think they don't play till I think November.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's take a look so. right
0: now. I'm gonna get that schedule pulled up. They play at November 22nd at Boston mm-hmm. with the first time they mm-hmm. meet. Then they meet again in Milwaukee January 11th, and then the final meeting will be at TD Garden in March uh in March twentieth. So that would will be I guess. I think that these guys on a collision course to the Eastern Conference Finals. May hey, who knows? Maybe Milwaukee can um the Milwaukee. Maybe Miami might have something to say about that and disrupt that, that from happening, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Um for me, right, on the trigger storyline I'm looking at, I'm looking at C P three on the on the on the Warriors. Uh, yeah. I, I I I still can't believe that that is actually a reality. Considering the history, I know him and Jermon Harden did have the best of, don't have the best of uh, friend, uh not the best, best of friends based on the history. Mm-hmm. And then we you know CP being with the um, with the Clippers, and then the and then the Rockets, the battles he's had with, with um Steph Curry and everything. But did that trade go? I feel like that trade was more of hey, let's get off of um, Jordan Poole's contract as opposed to we really want Chris Paul his talent mm-hmm. and what he brings to our team. I mean, he does bring a lot of good things. This guy is – now, the guy is – I believe he's going to be 39 in May. And now he's in year 19. And the fact that, like, he's not really a Golden State Warriors player. He doesn't push the pace. He lets it slow down. He's pound the basketball where that team is predicated on moving the basketball, man movement, ball movement. That's not Steve 3s mm-hmm. game. So, I'm just thinking to myself, like, how is this going to work out? And, again, I didn't really watch any preseason basketball. So I'm gonna to have to tune in up tomorrow night when they play the Suns to get a mm-hmm. glimpse of what this is gonna look like. And I think I seen that he is actually gonna be starting, and German's gonna be at the five. I saw that post by Bleacher Report like, like the starting lineups a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's official, but that's crazy to me considering the fact that the biggest problem they had last year in the playoffs against the Lakers was the lack of size they had.
1: Size and, and rebounding. <laughs> exactly. LeBron,
0: LeBron, LeBron was able to do whatever he wants. We get to the basket with these. AD was over there to clean up all all misses for the team and put the ball back in the the hoop. So, I imagine these guys going up against the likes of uh, the Lakers or even Denver with with Joker. How the hell are they going to stop
1: that? Yeah. (laughs) And I think we saw it even with – I don't know if this is a current thing or organizational thing for the Warriors or what it is, but even in FIBA, we saw him go towards smaller lineups and tinker with spacing and stuff like that. So, um, just speaking on Chris Paul, I think it's a good addition because – one, you're, you're not getting the erratic play of a Jordan Poole who's up and down and, and turnover yes. the ball. You're getting a little bit more stability, even though Chris Paul at this stage of his career has been turnover prone and injury prone, stuff like that. In limited minutes, 20, 25 minutes a game, he can make he can make some good plays for you. And I don't think it's so much for the starting unit. As I've, I saw in a couple of preseason games, he had some good plays with Curry. Um finding Curry off ball with his movement, it's probably easier for Chris Ball to have Curry and Clay running around um, rather than trying to beat his men off the dribble and make something happen. But mm. I think this is more for – I think people are overlooking what he's going to do potentially for the second unit. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, uh, Kavon Looney, guys like that, finding those – getting those guys, those young guys, easier shots. Because, right, like we've seen Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody out there struggle a little bit, be lost, I feel like that's a way that Chris Paul can really. I feel like that's going to be his impact, getting that the bench role players easier shots and setting them up. Really, because I don't, I don't know if Chris Paul is going to be on 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 the floor during cl- clutch time. I don't know if he's going to be in that role um, because he gets attacked defensively at this stage of his career. Um, I, I
0: feel like it's going to be case by case as to whether or not he's going to be. In the yeah,
1: floor yeah, floor yeah. Depending floor. on matchups and stuff like that, and, and what the situation in the game, of course. But it's like. Looking at it, I feel like he's going to try to get those other guys. Hopefully he gets those other guys. That's what I'm looking at it. Because getting Jonathan Kaminga confidence, maybe that bumps Jonathan Kaminga up to a starting position there. Um, or at least getting some playing time to starters because it's like you boost his confidence, you see his progression. Um, but I think that's more of it, to mentor those other guys and hopefully improve their bench where they don't have to rely on Steph Curry and the starters as much. Getting production from that second unit, I think that's going to be Chris Paul's, uh, impact on his team more so. Which is
0: why I thought that he would it, – it's perfect for him to come off the bench to run with the second unit, as you just mentioned. But i we going to talk about him, like, playing with the starters. Like, that doesn't make it – that doesn't make that I, I, to me.
1: I think, I think they just went to Kevon Looney. It was like, hey, he got the starter thing. <laughs> Chris Paul's Chris Paul. You're Kevon Looney. Even though I love what, what Kevon Looney has done for them since the, the championship run and carving out his role for this team as a rebounder and just being a force inside for them. Um, But I think they just went to him and was like, hey, you're going to play more minutes as the game goes on and stuff like that. Just do this for Chris Paul's ego, even even though at this point, I'm like, I don't see why he would want to start. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like chasing all these young guards, especially out west and stuff like that and and getting mismatched. I I don't know why he wants to do that, but it's the competitor in him. But hopefully – I, I think they just went to Gabon. he was just like, "Hey, help us out here with Chris and stuff like that." Because I don't, I don't see them. I don't see the benefit of them going small. I don't, I, I don't. At this stage right now, I just don't see the benefit of the war Warriors going small like that. Exactly. So, just why
0: I'm really intrigued to see like how this plays out. So, I will be locked in tomorrow night uh, when the, when they uh, play the Suns and and go to State. Um, speaking of the Suns. Um, what's your thoughts on them going into the season? We got, I mean, they got the, the big three, um, which comes with a hefty price tag. And we know that the the new CBA is trying to avoid this from happening by having a harsher penalty with the second apron and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that the Suns can uh, potentially go to the finals and win the championship this year?
1: I, I, I just don't see it. And I don't want to sound like I'm just raining on their parade of getting Bradley Beal, because Bradley Beal is a good player. I think people have gone cold on him just because he's been lost in the shuffle in Washington, right? And they haven't really yeah. been able to get to the playoffs and things of that nature. But I do think that he brings a different dynamic to them in terms of more scoring. And I think it's like a run TMZ, uh, run TMC, and, and, and maybe those Suns teams in the early 90s and stuff like that. Um, just run and gun, they're going to score a lot. They're going to be entertaining. But it kind of reminds—they're trying, and of course they have Frank Vogel as their head coach. And a defensive-minded
0: coach, but they don't yeah. really have the, the the necessary pieces.
1: They don't have for the pieces, Frank Vogel yeah.
0: team to be proficient on the defensive end.
1: And he has improved the defenses everywhere, right? He's in Orlando, he improved their defense. He was in LA, he improved their defense. Yeah, uh, in Indiana—that gave him Indiana. his call card. Yep, and I love those teams. But um just looking at. This team, uh, I just don't see how you can make up defensively. And, yes, they tried to get uh, Eric Gordon in there. Um, I just don't see it, like, defensively. And I'm just like, we've seen it with the Nuggets last year. The Nuggets were a highly octane offensive team, but the ability to get stops. And teams weren't able to attack Joker like that. Teams weren't able to attack Aaron Gordon and, and Jamal Murray and Bruce Brown, who was on the team at that time.
0: Yeah, see, but they have, they had like absolute some. They, they had guys
1: KCP that actually there. play defense, right? Like 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 like, like yeah.
0: KCP, Aaron Gordon. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You, you, you had guys that can actually step up and play defensively. Now I'm not saying they don't have sure. that. They don't have that. I don't see that. And Eric Gordon at 34, 35 years old, I don't see that. They have Josh Okoye, who's known for his defense. That's really the only guy. So unless there's some guy here that I'm looking at the roster right now. Me too. They added. Uh, Watanabe, they added. I'm like, I don't know any of these guys to be stoppers. Maybe Nazir Little, they're going to look at him to try to make an impact on that end. But it's like, Kevin Durant, yes, he has been better defensively over the past couple of years and stuff like that. But he's getting older, has injury history. He's going to have to carry exactly. it off along with these other guys. And it's just like, I don't see how they can get enough stops to stop another team. Like, even LA, LA's just going to beat him up. <laughs> like That's how. like LA's just going to beat him up. Joker's going to pick him apart. And maybe their hope is just like, hey, if we just score enough buckets, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to get enough stops. And I think that's really what they're hoping for. Where I I mean, I think,
0: yeah, I think I think think that's all that's that's all they can rely on is getting buckets and (laughs) outscoring their opponents because they're not going to be able to consistently get stops with this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what better way to do that than have what three. 30, nearly 30-point-per-game 30 scores on your team, right? Like, if anybody's going to be able to do it, it's going to be these guys, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's what they're hoping for, and and that's what they're looking for. And I think Bradley Beal said he's going to try to step up on the defensive end. I'm like, man, <laughs> I just don't – and I'm not saying that he's not a good defender or he can't hold up, but it's just like, I just don't see it with this team defensively, how you get enough stops against and, – and, and, and this improved Western Conference, I just don't see how you get enough stops.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like their ceiling is semi.
1: Yeah, and that's where they were last that's season.
0: Best case scenario, exactly. Got picked, apart, <laughs> got picked apart by the Joker, and they really haven't addressed that issue of having uh, a player that can like at least, not, not stop him, but at least like can try to somewhat contain him, slow him down. <laughs> they haven't addressed that at all. What, Nurkic? Good
1: luck. <laughs> and everybody you know, uh, was trying to, everybody was trying to happy, happy about that like oh they got Nurkic as a big man to replace. I'm like I would have rather had DeAndre because at least he's a big body at least if he's put in the right situation he'll be able to score a little bit but it's like Nurkic I'm like I, I saw him in Portland <laughs> like, and, he's, and he's always hurt too like- and he's injury prone so it's like I don't see how that works for them at all I don't I don't see how that works for them I don't see it I, I just don't.
0: Yeah, man. Like, yeah, like I said, second round, second round exit, man. That's how, that's how, that's how, that's how I thought, I thought, that's what I'm, that's I see it, in the
1: future. Think about that. You move Chris Paul, you move DeAndre Ayton for potentially just having the same result that you had last season. Like that, that, that's 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 tough. If that happens, if that happens, if they don't, if they don't get to the Western Conference Final, that's tough. That's going to be a tough swallow.
0: I, I would expect them to be aggressive in the buyout market. Uh, when that comes up and trade deadline I would expect them to do that yeah. Um, but yeah like I said I don't really have that much high hope for them I gotta see it to believe it hey what do you think about the, the, the Nuggets are you thinking that they get the respect they deserve as reigning champs um, did you see that the, um, the advertisement for opening week at TNT where they had uh, they had LeBron KD Steph and Tatum pitched, it. and people were like, um, the, then, "the the the the, the are playing too." you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy.
1: I think they have a guy that's not even playing the open tonight. <laughs> Tatum's not playing. Exactly. Open yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, hold on. That's not playing. not playing Wednesday night. Not, not yeah, they, I, was, they, I was dying. Yeah.
1: That was crazy. No, uh, but to answer your question, no. Like they picked apart the Western Conference last season. Like, I think – how many games did they lose? They lost to Minnesota one game. They
0: lost three games in the Western Conference and four okay. total.
1: Yeah, they lost four overall. Oh,
0: sorry, sorry. They lost one. So, one, three in the next round. That means three. Swept. Oh, that's four games, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, that's four games they just ran through the NBA, essentially. And that's yeah. not – that, that's no shot out to Miami Heat. People say they're uh, eighth seed or whatever the case may be. The Celtics weren't there. They weren't good – the Celtics weren't good enough to make it last year. That's just what the – Realization of it is that Milwaukee wasn't good enough to do it. L. A. wasn't able to beat them. Memphis got out. Warriors, et cetera, et cetera. All these other guys that were the stalwarts. This guy's a two-time MVP. Guys, a Finals MVP. Jamal Murray stepped up in the playoffs and destroyed teams left and right. Um, Aaron Gordon, Miles Porter, uh, uh, Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. Like these guys just won the NBA championship, and everybody's like, eh. you know, they lost Bruce Brown, and I'm like we got to put a little bit more respect on what this team did last season, what they are. Like, Joker, you still have what? If you want to say Giannis is the best player in the world, fine, I'm fine with that. They have top three best player in the NBA, if you want to put him that low. I have him at least top two. I think he's the best player in the NBA just because of what he does.
0: I think, I think it's toss-up between, between him and Giannis.
1: Tough yeah, tough. It's, it's, it's between those two guys, right? So it's like yeah. they have one of the best players in the NBA. Who's in the prime of his career with the team that, when you look at KCP, who's able to play defense and knock down threes, Aaron Gordon, who fills his role perfectly. And this is what I said when he got traded there. I'm like, if he can just find his role next to Joker, and he has as a defender, a stopper, a guy that steps up, rebounds, plays defense. Um, Michael Porter Jr. stepping up, and he's he's only going to improve his game. Jamal Murray has a full offseason to get right. Like, I don't, I know people are looking at them and saying they didn't do anything, they didn't add anything. I heard they're higher on Christian Braun. They have a couple other guys that they like that they drafted and stuff like that. And everyone's just, I'm like, they're playing with Nikola Jokic. They're going to be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and they also
0: signed a, um they um, signed a, the their forward center Zeke Naji signed a four year, thirty two million extension over the over the weekend. Over yeah, the weekend, so that means the they center.
1: have high hopes for him as well, exactly. right?
0: So, and I actually read an article, too, on the um, on the ring of Kevin O'Connor we interviewed Calvin Booth, their GM, and he was just mm-hmm. breaking down, like, how they are going to approach trying to build a dynasty where, mm-hmm. sense, around their core by essentially trying to take players who are, like, who are, like, like three, four years in college, have that, like, ex- have that experience of playing on a big stage, mm-hmm. but, like, kind of, like, you know, on a minimum salary type thing and who fit. Who like fit the pieces that are around them already. So for example, that's why they had no problem getting rid of Bones Highland because of his lack of playing defense. They couldn't have two players on the wing who don't play defense. So they had no yeah, problem yeah. getting rid of him even though he gets buckets. So it's a very oh, good article. And I'm like, yo, this is like I, th- these guys can I-, I think they can pull it off. Potentially yeah, I, be a dynasty. I
1: gotta check, I gotta check that article out because I heard about it, but I didn't I didn't actually go and read it. I heard I heard the Bones Highland comment. I was like, oh. <laughs> That's gonna oh, yeah. rub people the wrong way, just the way he phrased it. But <laughs> he's telling the truth. And I think, and I think where Denver is, he he's from the mindset like, what big free agents do Denver get? None, none. So the only way that you can really build this team is either through trade, which I believe they, uh, I believe they traded picks for Aaron Gordon. Um, they drafted well. They're not going to be high in the lottery, whatever the case may be. So the only way to do that is through draft, right? Like you draft a little bit more seasoned players who fit your style of play and what you want to do. That's what you should do. <laughs> and I think it's easier with the Joker as your best player because he's he makes everybody better. So I, if think,
0: Joker, I, I think I think people really underestimate, underestimate that about Joker how much he can make players look look better than what they actually are.
1: And it's like I'm just thinking about players who make guys better like that to that degree. Think of Magic and guys like that. But the probably LeBron. the best. LeBron, of course, as well, getting the maximize out of people. Luke, Well, not, I won't want to say Luca because, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Two in, ball dominant. Yeah, yeah. Two ball dominant. But I just think of players like Steve Nash, where it's like, I'm going to get somebody a shot or Chris. Paul. I'm going to get somebody a shot here. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to hit you on the wing. Just keep running. I'm going to hit you. You get young guys that are playing like that. And especially in that altitude and they're running gun style. And he's able to hit people who are just always running full court passes, behind the back passes, bounce passes. No matter what, Joker's going to find you. So those young guys get on the court with Joker while other guys are resting. I think that's going to. I think that's the plan for them, where they're just going to use this regular season to see what young guys can step up.
0: Exactly, uh, and people forget about this. It's not like Jamal Murray is, is entering the season trying to work his way back at the basketball shape after coming off an injury. He is not. He is not injured. He is going to be able to play basketball at a high level coming into the season, as opposed to last season. And didn't he sit out um, in fever
1: this year? I believe he did. He did uh, Joker, Canada. right? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, he did. He did sit out. So. Well,
0: Jamal, Jamal Murray.
1: Jamal Murray uh, for Canada, yeah, he did sit out. So, exactly. So he's getting
0: be um, I, well-rested and fresh coming into the season.
1: And I think, again, people aren't respecting him either. I'm like, yo, he played – He had against, one of the
0: best conference finals I've ever seen from, from a guard.
1: Like, we got a – <laughs> like again we just got to give these guys respect like the Lakers had no answer for them right and the Lakers build up this defense right and 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 are trying to stop him and Phoenix didn't have an answer for him uh, Minnesota's on the younger path they didn't have an answer for him It's like when I'm looking at the Western Conference it's like who has an answer for Jamal Murray and Jokic in the in the in the western conference I'm yeah. looking through. I don't see it. <laughs> so for somebody to sit there and and just disregard them and be like, oh, we're looking at the Lakers. People even, I, I think in the GM survey, I think somebody even picked the Clippers to win. I'm like, are you well, like what? Like what are we smoking here? <laughs> Disrespecting these guys in the Western Conference who just destroyed them. And I don't see a team that has an answer yet. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't. I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely uh, don't, don't see it as well. Um, speaking of uh, um, team in the West, potential, you know, championship winners the Lakers, LA Lakers, man, I think that they, um, I, I'm, I'm questioning, I talked to my man on the podcast I did earlier, I'm not, I'm high on their ceiling, but I don't know for realistic that I can expect them to meet that, because I think that their ceiling is conference finals, NBA finals, <laughs> but at the same time, we're going to take some things into consideration, yes, LeBron is like um, a freak. Once in a lifetime, generational player from a physical standpoint, he's just out of this world. Father Time, though, is undefeated, but not with LeBron just yet. However, he is going into year 21. Can we expect him to be the player that he's been the last couple of seasons in LA, especially last year when he had so much on his plate? I don't know if that's realistic. Maybe it is. And then, of course, there's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis um, is injury prone. Yeah, it, was, it was a miracle that he, didn't really, that, he, that he was able to stay up all the way toward the conference finals. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that. But can we actually rely on that again? I don't know. But if all goes well and they are relatively healthy, I think they could I think we could see some good things from the Lakers. I mean they still got I know I know they still got D People aren't really high on him, but I think that he could be a trade piece down the line. So they got Gabe Vincent there. You got Vanderbilt from the um, trade um at the trade deadline that you traded Russ. And you got Rui a little prior to that. Austin Reeves emerged as the most important player not named LeBron or AD on that team. Mm -hmm. Um, He played well in favor, got himself a good deal uh, in the offseason as well. So this team now is going to have a full – this group is going to have a full – well, had a full training camp, and now is going to come into the season as opposed to trying to work everything on the fly after after the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And I I like the job that Darby Ham did did last season. So I see a lot of good things with this team, but at the same time, I see some – well, like that could that could be a problem for the team down the line. Christian, oh yeah, I forgot about Christian Wood, Victorian um, mm-hmm. Prince, and Gabe Vincent as well. Those additions, those are big additions as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm along the lines of you. I think this team is better than what people are looking at because people are seeing them as uh, some people have concerns and stuff like that. I've seen predictions saying they're only going to win like 45 games or something like that. 42. I'm like, what? I'm like. They have LeBron. They have AD. They still have it. That's still a best, one of the top five duos in the NBA. Um, yeah, you've added Gabe Vincent. who I think they're looking for a little bit more consistent shooting um, than this the erratic player of D'Angelo Russell a little bit there. So they did add oh, Gabe Vincent, right. who was who was just <laughs> Gabe Vincent, who was just in the NBA Finals. They added Torian Prince to spread the floor as well. Um, they got some big bodies: Jackson Hayes, um, Christian Wood, to fortify the the front court at least with Anthony Davis can have some options there, some different play styles there. Um, Jared Vanderbilt had a good last season. I thought he came in and played really well for the Lakers defensively and stuff like that. Rui Hachamora, of course, was a surprise for them. But it's just like uh, looking at that conference finals, looking how Joker dismantled Anthony Davis, and there's no shot at Anthony Davis. I just don't see him having an answer for that. And that's the thing that needs to be neutralized, right? Like, again, like we were talking about the Suns, there's no answer for Joker. And and that's Anthony Davis at his best. We saw it last season, him being the MVP conversation, hold up through the playoffs. And he played well in the conference finals. But looking up against Joker, is just like, if that's your answer again, I don't see how you overtake that, right? Like, I just don't mm-hmm. see – How your two guys like, I just don't think your two guys, LeBron and AD, match up at this stage against Joker and Jamal Murray. Because LeBron can't guard Jamal Murray. He's not gonna go out and do that. The 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 Nuggets at least have Aaron Gordon to throw at LeBron Mm -hmm. and deter him at this stage. And LeBron's in age twenty-one. If this was thirty year old LeBron, I would have been like, all right. (laughs) The Lakers probably have this and there's nobody to stop LeBron and this is LeBron going into age – on the verge of age 39 at this stage. And I think it's just if Anthony Davis can take another step in this game around these guys, right? And, I mean,
0: that's what they want. The Lakers want – LeBron wants to pass it towards AD to be the yeah. part of the offense, mm-hmm. uh, at least from a scoring standpoint. But I don't mm-hmm. know if that's really in AD's DNA to be that. I mean, he's a great, great talent. A generational talent, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. I just don't. Again, I just don't know. I just don't know if that's. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying even if he. I'm just seeing. I'm just saying if even if he does it consistently, is that enough to defeat Joker? I don't know, and that's the thing. I I just don't know if he can raise his game because Joker was shooting fadeaway jumpers (laughs) over him and just, just like his best wasn't Joker's best, right? Like Joker is just a different dynamic that I don't think Anthony Davis can deal with at this point. And Anthony Davis, what do you average? He, averaged, he averaged 27 and 14, three blocks? That's a great series against everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Except like he did not, for the he, Joker. he did not have a bad series. And I just, and another thing too, and I don't think the Lakers address this. Yeah. You're going to probably bet on Austin Reeves, Rui, um, things of that nature. But it's like, I don't know. If you guys solved anything on the perimeter to stop Jamal Murray, like I don't know if you guys solved anything there. So, even though I like the additions of the Lakers, I like what they did fortifying this team, building a lot more depth. But I just don't know. I don't know if it's enough to overtake the Denver Nuggets. I just don't know. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Again, like I, I'm, 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 I'm high in their ceiling, but in reality, I don't know if they can like really reach that that ceiling. And I think that. Mm-hmm. They could probably be at conference finals, maybe the NBA finals. But, again, like, they haven't, like, really addressed how to start the, gonna, that, that two-man gonna, game of Jokic and Murray.
1: It's going to take godly efforts from LeBron and AD at that time. Yes. To do it. It's just going to take one of those classic performances, like, you're just like, damn, LeBron had 40, 12, and 15. AD had 30 and 18 and five blocks. It's going to take those on a night-to-night basis and is that
0: really fair, <laughs> particularly for LeBron, at this stage of his career? That, 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 game that, four when that's crazy well, in the first half and was, he just flamed out in the second half of that game. Yes, so and it's, it's, just, it's
1: just different. It's just it's – just father time is undefeated. <laughs> that's what it is. Like, if this, was, if this was LeBron at 30, I would probably lean the Lakers. But right now it's just like and, – and LeBron played well as well. And it's just like those guys played well. Maybe the additions can kind of sum up those parts where you didn't get as much production from Lonnie Walker – um, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder maybe you can get maybe that's what you're hoping for a little bit more three-point shooting a little bit more to fill in the gaps but I don't know man I, I don't know
0: yeah um did you watch um preseason?
1: I watched a couple then, games yes yes
0: what's your thoughts on Wimby if, if you watched him play or seen the highlights of
1: <sighs> man I said it I think I said it last season where I thought Evan Mobley was the evolution he's going to be that KG type player to step out and defend and and he just got to add a little bit to his shot, a little bit that, build his offensive game similar to KG. Wemby, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, it's a KD build with defense and handle, and I I haven't seen anything like that. Maybe Kevin Durant's the closest. Um, Kevin Durant's obviously a better scorer and stuff like that, but Wemby, he's bringing the ball at the court. He's doing dribble handoffs. He's crossing people up. (laughs) Like, even in preseason, I'm like, this guy is a unicorn. And he just the, covers the, so
0: much ground on defense. It's crazy. Like,
1: yeah. the blood, I think I shared it. I think I shared it. Wimby uh, 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 blocking Andrew Wiggins. Like, we've seen plays in the preseason where he's running out to cover ground, block a guy on the perimeter, and run and transition and finish on the other end. And it's like, the Spurs did it again. <laughs> they got us again. They got like this guy. If he stays healthy, it's like, we already know he's going to be an all star. He's going to be great if if he's healthy. He's changing the game just by stepping on the court, and we uh, I've I've never seen anything like this. Uh, <laughs> I've Never seen it. Like I watch some
0: highlights. I'm like, man, this guy is special. I'm really impressed with his ability to like to move the way he moves his feet at, at that size this thing, and staying in the picture, even if he if <laughs> to get beat and just and if he's not punching a, punching the shot away, he's altering a shot. Yeah,
1: that is, that, I think I think it was the first game against OKC where he gets beat off the dribble. And he just his arms just come in like a, a tree trunk and just swap the shot away. And it's like you beat him off the dribble and he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So and I think that's I don't I don't want to leave out Chet Hongram in that because Chet Hongram's kind of that same archetype, I guess you want to say. Um, but Wimby and him that and to have those guys together in the league in the Western Conference, same division. It's like, that's, that's good for the league, looking at those two young guys right there. Like, that's really, really good for the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, when people when – people, I was talking to people earlier um, some of the time about Wemby and they are talking about he's going to be a bust. I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to be a bust. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be a generational player or like this best prospect of all time, level player that they're hyping him up or how they're advertising him to be. But there's no way with this guy's skill set that he is going to be a bust in this league. Do you guys watch the guy? Like that's The guy got handed. It was like seven four way handle. I always say it's like a cross between KD and KP. They yeah, that's, for, that, that, that's, that's what That that's
1: what that's why I'm like I'm looking at it. And I'm like, yo, he's he's dribbling and crossing people over. It isn't like the defender's not there. Yeah. Like, and he's he, like, it, it's crazy, man. Like, it's just like when he gets. And that's the first thing, of course. We always project and stuff like that. And you look at injury history. Like you're just hoping that he doesn't get hurt. And then you're just like, I'm just thinking in my head, once he puts on 20, 25 pounds and really uses his force, it's going to be a problem for anyone (laughs) because you're just not going to be able to deal with that. Like, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. (laughs) Like, how do you guard him? Like, you can't load up. You can't just get big centers. You just can't just be like, oh, we're just going to get bruising guys against them. The league is just not like that anymore. And it's like, so you're going to have to have somebody who out there can guard and try to move him off his his game. But his handle, his footwork, I, I, he's just too dynamic, man. It's going to be interesting. I don't know how you stop him. I don't know.
0: I I, I can't see a world where he's not in the defensive uh, play of the year pitcher. I just can't see man. That. With the impact that he has on, on the game. on that. Like
1: that, those, whole, those whole things where uh, Rudy Gobert has those metrics that favor him, like, Wimby's good enough to impact those metrics in terms of guarding on the perimeter. I'm not say that. When where Rudy... Rudy Wimby, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: You can play... You can play Rudy out, out of a game. You bring him on the perimeter. A, a guard can expose him on, on the perimeter. I don't think you can do that with Wimby. There's no way.
1: Yeah, like, it's going to be the first time in history you're probably going to use a pick to get a center off you. <laughs> 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 like, like, that's the thing that I'm thinking, like... like Teams are going to have to play completely different. Like, all right, maybe I don't want to try to switch on the Wemby. <laughs> right, I got to try to figure out how to – and 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 he couldn't be in a better place, right, a better uh, incubator than San Antonio, right, with Greg Popovich as the coach. You got Tim Duncan, always lurking around. Um, Tony Parker, obviously, they have a relationship from France. Um, Mono, you know, like all the – David Rob, all these people in that incubator for him and in that environment. It's like that's uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be crazy. I don't know how long Pop is gonna be there. He signed that extension, we all know, but it's just like I don't know how anyone's gonna answer like him when he gets his body right, when he fills out, <laughs> when he like. It, it's not even like you're saying like he's gonna get lost in the NBA game. Obviously, he was going against uh, uh, Chet Holmgren and a couple secondary players off the bench and stuff like that. But it's like I don't know how teams are gonna be able to. Stop him once he's ready. I don't know how you do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I said to people before saying that they don't think he's going to – that he'll be like a work in progress, so he probably won't have the stats to win Rookie of the Year and probably go to somebody like a Chet or even a School Henderson. But I Mm -hmm. think that just – but what is it – what is impact on both sides of the the floor? I think he's probably going to be the leading um, candidate for Rookie of the Year. And considering the fact that they don't really care about wins, per se, with Mm -hmm. that award. It's more about production on your stats. So I think I, I think it's
1: going to be he should be favored to win Rookie of the Year. I sat there and I said I thought for a quick second I was like <laughs> I don't want to sit there and said I thought the Spurs are going to make the playoffs, but I thought there for a quick second I'm like could they sneak in in the play in? That would be crazy if If, it is. if this guy <laughs> plays the way I think he can, and they have a good team. They just don't have anybody that was that dynamic to put them over the top. They have Kelvin Johnson, they have Devin Vessel. Um, Yoko, uh, they don't have Perri, they traded him to Toronto uh, but they have some guys that can score and play and now you add this guy to that and this like I, I literally when I saw him playing I'm like do they have a chance to make the playoffs and, 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 and they're just going to laugh at everybody Greg Popovich is just going <laughs> to somehow weasel his way into coach of the year by doing this shit like I literally thought that when seeing him play I'm like this guy is good <laughs> like, like, that's the first thing i thought like they, they can they make i don't know if they can but it, i wouldn't put it out of the question if they surprise us <laughs> uh, I, i'm not i'm not that guy's that dynamic he's that impactful word um
0: oh hold on let's, I, let's take one more uh, quick break mm-hmm. um let me ask you a question what's your thoughts on the end season tournament me personally i could care less i have no idea how this is gonna work I, I know a little bit, but realistically, I'm like really like, what the, what the fuck is this? I don't, I don't know what it is. So I'm just on the mindset of, man, I, I blame those in the media who downplayed the regular season and say it's all about the playoffs. I blame organizations and players for the, for the low management. Because of them, we have to get this in-season tournament and a little consolation prize for those who don't end up winning the championship. I don't care. Just give me my 82 games for the season and let me go on my life. What's your thoughts I, I, on this, um,
1: the season tournament? One, uh, everybody's against it, and I'm just like, I think these are just regular games during the season that have they a little are. bit. They just have a little bit of extra money on it. That's all it is. <laughs> like, everybody's complaining. I'm like, if you if you look at it as a championship, then it's going to be like, okay, whatever. I'm looking at it like these in season tournaments that college have, like like right before the season and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. isn't like this is in February. I think it's in November or sometime. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's up to the 3rd
1: next month. So it's like those early college season term- tournaments, like the the Maui Invitational presented by Hertz or something like that. Like <laughs> That's how I'm going to look at it. Now, is that a chance for some guys to get some younger players to play, maybe some incentive for the earlier in the season for – so teams are just not tanking right away? Maybe that's it. Like, hey, man, hey, man we're going to suck this season, but let's try to get this bread. Like if I'm Houston – I got Fred Van Fleet and, and all these other guys like, Hey, let's try to get this bread while we out here. I'm fine with that. But I'm like, I'm not trying to put too much stock in it. I'm not like, if you're looking at this, like uh, guys are like, yeah, we won the end season tournament. It should not be like that. It should be like, all right, this is a stepping stone for us to continue to keep playing well and building and continue to build in this season. I'm not putting any stock in it. I'm not trying to get into it. I'm just like, I'm treating it like regular games, man. <laughs> I can't. I, if you think too hard about it, you're going to hurt your head. And, and I'm like <laughs> you. like I'm like you. I do blame the media because I blame fans as well. Like Everyone's complaining like, hey, the regular season doesn't matter. I'm like, if you watch enough basketball, you're going to find enough good basketball night to night. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know what I mean? And, and, and the league, I, I do like them putting in certain rules and stuff like that in terms of like the rest and stuff like that. That's probably going to have guys playing in these games. But other than that, again, I'm not trying to put too much stock into it. Like it's it's regular season games. They have a little trophy at the end. Like I don't think team. I don't. I don't think you're in the. It's going to be in a position like where teams are bowing out. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't oh, we're going to wrestle LeBron like these first three. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. You know what I mean? Like. But, um, I mean, we all know why they're doing this
0: because right, it all comes down to money. They're a business because I believe the TV rate is up after this season or the next uh-huh. one. Of the- yeah,
1: I think it's after the season.
0: Okay, so that's up. So the up for a new DR, they're already in talks with Amazon but Amazon can have an exclusive night like Thursday night football with the NFL. And the championship game, I believe, is going to be in Vegas. And, you know, they're eyeing possibly having an expensive team in Vegas. So, what mm-hmm. a to- better way to bring attention to that? by having a championship game in Vegas. It's all coming down to money. That's why i yeah. look at it. I'm just like, come on, man. We don't need any. I just feel like it's a little bit too gimmicky, in a sense. If, if yeah, yeah. Real word.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they're just trying to, again, just generate revenue some way, like, and just trying to bring up ad space. Like, hey, if you're buying this, you can get exclusive rights to the end-season tournament. You know, <laughs> like, they're going to try to do something, right? Like, but I, – I, as long as they're not trying to come up with like an in-season jersey <laughs> to sell, <laughs> like they do the All-Star game, and I'm like, as long as they don't do anything of that nature <laughs> and try to get like like and make it that blatantly obvious, we know they're doing this for money, especially what you're saying with the expansion, potentially the Vegas. Um, I'm surprised they haven't announced a whole bunch of stuff for that yet. I'm surprised they haven't. Uh, again, uh, was moving on like just talking about expansion. Seattle, they need their Sonics back. Right, we want the Sonics back. But, yeah, um,
0: absolutely. We, we need the Sonics
1: back. Yeah, yeah get the Sonics back. Get the, too much, the, too the, much money out
0: there. I don't get why would they be, leave there. I don't get it. You have Amazon, mm-hmm. Starbucks, and Microsoft all headquartered out in Seattle.
1: I, like, you look at Steve Ballmer, who just bought the Clippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's like, he, he works for Microsoft, so it's like, I don't know. But um, just thinking about like uh, what they're doing and trying to potentially move in Vegas and stuff like that, that's cool. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to announced that during the season that they're going to be having Vegas in like a, a year or two as an expansion team. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, if you think too much about the end season tournament, you're going to hurt your head. <laughs> just uh, think of it. I, I just, I just look at it as college basketball early in the season. And they have all those little tournaments. That's how I look at it.
0: but uh, right, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs>
1: hey,
0: do you like the, do you like the rule that came up with the new CBA about players having to be eligible for
1: major awards such as the MVP? Um, I do like that. I do like that. Hey, if you're going to be one of the best in the league, you can't play 60 games and be like, oh yeah, I had a credible two months towards the end of the season. And then somehow you work your way in MVP hasn't really happened, but I'm like, I understand that for awards that they would do that. Right. Like I think, uh, the Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he only played like 55 games or something like that. And he won defensive player of the year. So I can understand it from an accolade standpoint. Like, Hey, you got to meet this benchmark in order to be considered, and, you know, we've had seasons where LeBron missed games. we had seasons where Anthony Davis missed games, and they get an MVP voting, and then somebody – I think that's more for the voters, actually, because how many times have we seen people throw a vote to LeBron or somebody – it's like they're not even – they haven't played enough games to even be considered for this. Why are they getting votes? I think that's more of a voter thing where it eliminates that aspect of it, where we're not getting that shabby voting at the end where somebody's missing points because 10 votes went to this guy who only played 55 games, but because he's an all-star and played well, it's like he didn't play enough games to impact the season like that, so from that standpoint, I like it. I like it from, I don't know, obviously that was put there for the LeBron Jameses of the world, like when they get rest, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, that injury loan management stuff that we've seen for LA for the past five years. Obviously it's been in place for them, but I, 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 in the back of my head, I'm like, I still think teams are going to try to find a way around it. Like, I, I, I just feel like they are. They're going to find a way to be like, all right, this guy's hurt. He can't play. And I think a lot of people are just going to start doing that. Like, he can't play. It's not load management. He's just hurt. <laughs> yeah, and you're I don't right. Know how like, I mean, get... I'm happy
0: about the players um having that rule in place where the players got to play a minimum of 65 games. Because, I mean, come on, man. Mm-hmm. you got to, like. You can't have a league MVP who only plays like 40, like 48, 50 games. That doesn't seem right to me. Like you have to have mm-hmm. like showed like your effect on a team through a, a substantial amount of, of a period in a season in order to be to win an mm-hmm. award. That's what I think. So I feel like when they don't have that, if they're not having that in place, the uh, limited games you can miss, you're kind of like devaluing the, devaluing the awards. Um, and it gets yeah. to the low management. Um, like you said, yeah, I, I think players are going to find a way, organizations are going to find a way to work around um, those rules that were implemented. Um, I, I uh, applaud the efforts by Commissioner Silver, but I'll believe it when I see it, if it's going to really change anything in the league. Mm-hmm. I think it will to some effect, but like you said, the smart, especially the smart organizations, they're going to find a way to work around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going to find a way.
0: Alright, so uh, one last question before we get out of here. Um, what's your NBA Finals prediction
1: and champion uh i got the i'm gonna it's a homer pick but i got the celtics over the nuggets six games i think the celtics finally get over the hump i think they're dynamic enough they're gonna fill out figure out that depth situation and i'm not sure they have if anybody has an answer for jamal murray and nikola Jokic, i think defensively at least the Celtics, I think, can deter Jamal Murray, right? Yeah. And Michael Porter Jr. I think they're going to be in the best position to do that. Um, Jalen Brown got paid. I think that takes the pressure off of any situation. Hopefully, just of course, everyone jokes that he works on his handle. I just hope he continues to progress as a player. Um, and I think Jason Tatum has been knocking on that door, and he wants to prove that he's one of the best players in the world, not just like just MVP voting and stuff like that. I think. He I think he has a real good chance to win MVP. I think I just think the Celtics right now that it's been they've been knocking on the door, they've been pounding on it. They had some blunders, they had some missteps, but I think finally they get over the hump. I don't see anybody in the East. Even Milwaukee has greater than that dynamic as they're going to be. I don't know if they have an answer for the Celtics. And out west, I just don't I just don't see a team having an answer for the Denver Nuggets. But I think the Celtics figure out a way to get it done.
0: You're right. That is a homer pick, but I'm not mad at that. No, I mean, yeah, hey, there's a good pick. I mean, they're, they're loaded. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with I'm, uh, NBA finals of the best players in the world. Giannis versus Joker. I got Milwaukee versus Nuggets. And I think that, well, I do think that if they were to meet in the finals, I think that the, the Bucks, I feel like have the best personnel to match up with Joker. Brook Lopez, mm-hmm. Giannis can come over and kind of roam around and be a helper. You got Bobby Portis mm-hmm. another, another was not that big of a body, but you said t- he could offer some resistance, I think. So I think that's yeah. the best personnel, but at the same time, I think that two man game with Joker and Murray is just too much. So I would have had them winning in six over the the uh, Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Uh if they would uh, would they? I don't know. Man, I like – I like – I I get... When you think about the two-man game between Murray and Joker and Damon Giannis, we've seen Joker and Murray work, so that's the proven commodity, right? But the fact that they
0: both are like, able to spread the floor and hit shots and hit yeah, – Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's
0: why, yeah. why I get in the edge over Damon and Giannis. It's
1: very close. To yeah, that. I would too, but it's just like – it's so tough this year. When you look at the th- three teams in the in the NBA to me, Celtics, Bucks, Denver, That not that order, but just those three teams are like the clear-cut favorites to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's so interesting that, like uh, Teddy Atlas says, in boxing styles make fights. Like, like it, it's so these teams are so loaded that it's just like I, I just want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> like I just I, that's what the point where we all have been brewing all summer. It's like I just want to see these guys go at it. I just I can't wait. And and if the if the Bucks beat the Celtics, I'm gonna be hurt. And then you're gonna see this the two best players in the world go at it, at least it's going to be entertaining basketball. We're going to get the we're going to get great basketball. So that's all I'm hoping for at the end of the day if the Celtics can't win. You know what I mean? So I, I just can't wait.
0: Yeah, man. We we'll, won't we'll have to wait any longer because the season does kick off tomorrow. Uh, are you doing a part for the uh, NBA season or have you have you done it already?
1: I've been trying to brew up my rankings for the season and they kind of got blown up yesterday with the uh, the injury to Stephen Adams. Yeah, so oh, yeah I, felt- I, I thought the group... <laughs> I gotta rearrange some stuff, but no, I'm definitely gonna try to have something this week. Um, it's just a lot of things been brewing up, wrestling and stuff like that's been going on. All the stuff at the NBA has been brewing up, and it's just like trying to get everything together. But I should have something up this week. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Games are going on tomorrow, all week. I'm like, I can't wait. It's, it's NBA season. It's, it's here. Yeah, man. <laughs>
0: and now I got, and now I can know I'm um, taking advantage for, for the NBA for YouTube TV's feature with the four multi games at once, four games at once. So, I'm. I can't wait for that with the NBA. Oh man, it's gonna be lit, and gotta, it's and, crazy. I probably gotta buy leak pass too. Um, coming up. Yeah, I'm gonna buy League pass. I bought. I bought it the last two seasons, so
1: I'll buy it this season. <laughs> All right, NBA, I'll buy it. All right, <laughs>
0: it's cheaper now. Yeah, last right. year, last year was only a hundred. The year before,
1: two hundred. Mm-hmm. They only made hundred mm-hmm. last year, so. Uh, again, the NBA is growing. They gotta. It's. It, it, I can't wait, man. <laughs> Facts, I can't wait.
0: All right, man. Well, I appreciate you for coming on, man. I'll let you go. Enjoy your evening. Um, And we'll talk throughout the week, I'm sure, in the group and, you know, throughout the season.
1: Yes, man. Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate you. Basketball's back. Yes, sir. (laughs)
0: is it for this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it and if you're new to this part, hopefully you enjoyed it as well Then I hope you'll stick around for the journey. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button as this part is available just about everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts at. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts and several other platforms as well. Um, and salute to the homie Daniel Daly for holding me down with this NBA talk. Much appreciated. Uh, we're going to have more of these as the season progresses so uh, be on the lookout for that. And Make sure you guys, if you haven't already, follow the IG page for this pod at the Mr. Vincent Pod. Again, that is at the Mr. Vincent Pod, where you'll find information as it relates to this pod, along with some content as well. Um, so that's it for this episode. Um, I Hopefully, I'll be back with an NBA NFL pod. You um, should get that either late Friday, early Saturday. Um, in the meantime, enjoy the game later for tonight. Got, got some good wins. You got the Lakers at Nuggets and the Suns at Warriors. Basketball's back. All is good in the world now. Until next time, take care.